0: Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 16. And what is my favorite chapter in the Bible? I have a lot of favorites. This happens to be my favorite chapter in all of the Bible. I love. Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to continue our study through the five solas. We got to start those a couple weeks ago uh, when we looked at uh, sola scriptura. Sola means alone, and that means scripture alone. That the Bible alone is our sole authority or ultimate authority above all else. So if there are other authorities in our life, be it parents, be it uh, bosses, be it uh, government, They all must submit to the authority of Scripture. Scripture alone is our ultimate authority. This week, we're going to look at the second of these five solas and talk a little bit more about where they came from. And your sola this week is sola fide, that is, faith alone. Faith alone. At our house, we have a stool that's... Uh, I don't know, been with us, I think, about as long as we've been married. Maybe, uh, I'm sure, longer for Hannah. She brought it with her into the marriage, at least as long as we've had our oldest child. But I think even before that, a little stool that sits in front of our, our sink... And our kids, as they've grown up, have used it to step up so they could wash their hands or do stuff at the kitchen counter. My my father-in-law made it, so it uh, has, has had some great memories with our family. What we learned early on with this stool, though, like I think every stool I've ever seen, is if you are standing on one edge or the other, that stool has a tendency to tip one way or the other. So, I don't know how many times I've had to get on to our kids as they were growing up, and Josiah still, as he uses it, put your feet in the center of the stool, right? Don't stand on one edge or the other, because standing on one edge or the other, you're liable to topple. And we've hit chins, and we've busted heads, and we've hit elbows, and we've done all sorts of things, learning to be centered on the stool. When I think of faith in Christ, I think of, oftentimes of standing on that stool. Maybe you have a similar stool at your house. You've experienced similar issues. When our faith rests in the center of God's will, things are level and smooth. But When we decide to put our faith and put our rest and put our weight away from the center of God's word, away from the center of who God is, we we tilt at worst or tilt at best and topple at worst. So as we think about what faith is this morning, I want to think of that resting place, that centering place of our lives. Are we centered and resting, putting all of our weight and confidence in the center of who Christ is? These five solas that we're looking at come out of what we uh, call now the Protestant Reformation. 503 years ago, there was this reformation, this, this understanding that the church at the time was not teaching things of God's Word. And there was a reform and a rebuilding back to what God's Word says. And this belief, sola fide, faith alone, is at the heart of the Reformation. The question was, how does one gain life and death and resurrection of Christ? How do you receive that salvation? Or maybe the easier way to ask is, how is a person made right before God? At the time, there was the one Catholic church and the Protestants who were breaking off and reforming from that. And let me tell you, both of them would say the same thing. The way you are made right before God is through faith there was agreement there and there still is to this day between catholics and we call ourselves protestants there is a understanding that salvation is through faith but the real question became the debate became whether it was through faith alone or faith and something else see at the time and even to this day the teaching of uh, the the catholic church is this teaching that That faith is the beginning, but there is more to your salvation you need to do. There are more sacraments you need to go through. There are more uh, things you have to pay and and penalties you have to, to suffer through in order to receive this salvation. And the Reformers, and I would agree, taught that it is not anything or any action that we do. It is through faith and faith alone. J.I. Packer, a more recent theologian who passed away just earlier this year, compared to the, uh, the teaching of faith to the, the Greek mythology god Atlas. Are you familiar with Atlas? You've probably seen his sculpture somewhere with the giant globe resting on his shoulders. And the idea with Atlas was that if Atlas were to even flinch a muscle, the entire globe would fall. This is like the teaching of faith alone. The belief that faith and faith only are what leads to salvation is what holds up every other doctrine. Without this teaching, everything else crumbles. So, I'm going to do two things this morning. First, I want to ask a question what is faith? And secondly, I want to ask the question how do we live this out or apply this to our lives? So, as we, we begin, let's ask ourselves a question what is faith by reading in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 16? Read this with me. Whatever I gain, I count as a loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the passing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider myself, uh, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. A lot that Paul is sharing there, and in the context of what he's coming out of, we're going to see that Paul wants to answer this question. What does it mean to live out faith? But well, we have to begin by defining faith. What is faith? It means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. I already gave kind of a general definition of faith. Faith is where you rest your life. What do you put your weight on? Where do you put all of your confidence in? But I think it's helpful to go to the Bible and see what the Bible defines as faith. Faith. The Bible tells us that faith is the certainty of what you hope for. Think about this. Faith is the certainty of what you hope for. That is that idea and that vision and that dream that you have. Faith says, I know that that's coming about. I'm confident that that will happen. That's exactly what the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. Your faith literally is this idea, right? That that Jesus Christ will return and ultimately bring you into an eternal life with him. Do you believe that this morning? Do you long for that this morning? Do you hope for that this morning? I hope and pray that that is your heart. Lord, come and save me. I believe that one day I will have an eternity spent with you. That is my longing and my hope. The Bible says faith is hoping for that and having assurance that it's going to come about. No questions, no doubts. Faith is the certainty of what you hope for. I think it's important to also realize what faith is not. Because a lot of times we as Baptists add to faith. Even though we believe sola fide, faith alone, we add to faith. We want faith to be the object of our salvation. That is, we receive faith and that's what makes us saved. Can I tell you? Faith is not the object of your salvation. You are not saved because you have faith or because you pray a prayer. The object of your salvation is Jesus Christ. You are saved because of the work of Jesus Christ. You receive Christ, not faith. Faith is is not the object, and it's also not the cause. Some of us like to believe, because I prayed a prayer, now I am saved, as if we have the magic strings to pull on God's heart to make Him save us. The scripture tells us it's the Holy Spirit that begins a good work in each of us. He is the cause of our salvation. He's the one who brings us to faith. So faith is not the object, that's Jesus. If faith is not the cause, that's the Holy Spirit, what is faith? Well, faith is is the instrument through which we receive salvation. That's why Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, You are saved by grace, how? Through faith. Not by faith, or not because you have faith, but through the instrument of faith. I like to think of, of faith in this way. Imagine you need to take, or you have before, take some liquid medicine of some kind. Uh, faith is, is like the syringe or the spoon. It's not what ultimately heals you, but it's the instrument through which the medicine ultimately heals you. It's the medicine that makes you well. Just like in your salvation, it is Christ that makes you saved, but faith like the syringe or the spoon, is what brings about that salvation. And it's not just when we initially receive salvation we have faith. Faith is what we need to live the entirety of our lives. It's not like we can say, I believed, I prayed, I had faith, and now I'm done. No, faith is a continual process of living out the Christian life. Through faith, we continually live the Christian life. The Bible has a fancy word for this, or or theology has a fancy word for this. They call it sanctification. You are sanctified. That is, you're in the process of becoming more and more like Christ. It's not enough that you have faith to believe that Jesus Christ saved you. You must continually make your resting place the center of God and His Word. We are continually throughout our lives trusting Christ for what we long for and hope for. The truth is, if we're honest with ourselves, not a single one of us believes that we are deserving of that eternal life we hope for. If we examine our own lives, and I do this regularly, I hope you do as well. You look at what a filthy, nasty sinner we are. God, I hope that you would save me. But do you know? you do know my heart. I am not righteous. I am not clean. I am not worthy. I am not able. I cannot receive you, Lord, the way I am. How many of us have said, God, I am not righteous? You know what's amazing about faith? Through faith, even though we are not righteous, we receive the righteousness of God. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, it says Abraham believed God, had faith in God, and God credited it to him as righteousness. Was Abraham a righteous person? He was not. He lied to, to a king to, to give his wife to her. Right? He, he was a, a sinful individual who looked out for himself often. He didn't trust and believe always that God's plan was unfolding, but his faith Made him right before God. I love this thought. God is not waiting for you to be righteous. Instead, when we look away from ourselves and through faith turn to Jesus, God makes us righteous in His eyes. If you and I are waiting every day for us to do the right thing so God will love us, we will never feel fulfilled. But if we could rest in the comfort of faith, center ourselves on who God calls us to be, then we can continually live a faithful Christian life. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live. I'm not making these decisions anymore, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Faith is the constant recentering of ourselves. God, I can't do it, but you've made me righteous. I'm not able, but I trust that you are. I know I will make the wrong decision, but you always make the right decision. Faith is a continual life Of trusting and resting in Christ. Some people may ask, that's great, but what about repentance? Turning towards God is is great, but don't you have to to ask forgiveness for your sins? Don't you have to do something? Well, yes, and and scripture teaches very clearly that, that repentance is required for salvation. But here's what I want you to know repentance and faith are two sides of the same coin. You cannot have faith without repentance, and you will not genuinely repent without faith. It requires us leaving a life of sin and continually saying, Christ, it's not about me and my decisions, it's about you and what you've done on the cross. Going back 503 years ago, when Martin Luther, and we talked two weeks ago, nailed those 95 statements, 95 theses to that church door, The very first one dealt with a continual life of faith and repentance. A reminder that we don't have to keep paying for our sins, but when we turn from our sins in faith, Christ is faithful to us. And so the very first of his thesis said this, When our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ, said, Repent, that is, turn to me in faith, he called for the entire life of the believer to be one of repentance. Our continual living every single day is a continual turning away from our own desires and resting and centering ourselves in Christ. All of that sounds beautiful and great. All of that is a good sermon in and of itself, but it does nothing if we walk out of here and say, what do I need to do with that? So let's ask the question then, how do I live out my faith? How is it that I can every single day make sure I'm resting and centering myself in Christ? If you follow along in your bulletin or or are taking notes, there are really three ways that I want us to talk about living out our faith. First is that we must choose daily to rest in Jesus. We must choose daily to rest in Jesus. As Paul is writing in Philippians chapter 3, he reminds us that it is not based on our own strength that we can do anything. It's not based on our actions. It's not based on how we carry ourselves. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9 that we read just a moment ago says, We must be found in him. Not having a righteousness of of my own that comes from the law, but but one that is through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. We must choose every day to be found in Christ and not in our own works. I'm afraid that so many times people question their salvation. And by the way, that's normal and, and people do that a lot. Am I really, truly saved? And I've heard people agonize over this idea. Do I really have faith? Am I really saved? Is my faith true and genuine and right? Am I really a Christian? And they have in their mind that, that saving faith comes when they can eventually convince themselves of this assurance. When they know that they know that they know, then they'll finally be saved. The the journey of struggle is uncertain, but eventually one day in our own mind, I can intellectually convince myself that I'm finally saved. I finally reached the point of salvation. That is not what faith is. That, quite honestly, is not rest. That is work. It's us constantly over and over and over again saying, am I good enough? Did I do enough? Have I acted properly? No, faith rests in God's word. Says It's not about what I do. It's about what Christ has done. Saving faith is an act of decision, an act of the will in which we daily decide it's not on me, it's on Christ. Scholars often talk of three ways we come to faith. We start to understand what genuine faith is. Three steps. There's knowledge, there's belief, and then there's trust. And we do this even with our our young ones, our children. We really started that first phase. It's knowledge. Do you know what the Bible says? Do you understand what God's word is? And it's important that we have that knowledge. But then you have to actually believe it. Not just, we know that Jesus was born of a virgin, and we know that he grew up and lived a sinless life, and we know that he died on the cross for our sins. Do you believe that Jesus really did all those things? Do you believe that that story is not just a story, it's true? And of course, many of us spend our lives sitting in that belief area. I believe that it's true. But Jesus will remind us, James will remind us in his word, that the, the demons even believe the stories are true. But they shudder because they don't have that trust. It's kind of like when you go to the doctor. If you're sick and, and maybe you don't have a doctor and you're looking around, trying to figure out where to take your, your, yourself to, to get checked out, you, you gather knowledge and information and you ask all your friends, who's a reputable doctor in the area? And so you get all of this information and you decide on one in particular and when you show up, you look and, and you can see that there are other patients there. They seem to be doing well. You see his diplomas on the wall. And then you start to not only know that, that the doctor is here, but you start believing that he can help you. Right? I, I see his credentials. I understand that he went to the University of Kentucky, so he must be a great doctor or wherever he went. You, you can understand that, that patients are giving good reviews and you believe that he can help you. But then the trust comes when he sits down in the room with you and tells you news you don't want to hear. You have this illness and you need to take this medicine or these treatments in order for you to get well. It's not the news you want to hear. It's not the news you expected to hear. It's quite honestly not something you want to do and go through the treatments or the medicine. But you move from belief to trust when you say, doctor, you know what's better for me than I do. And so I'll take the treatments, I'll take the medicine, and I'll act on it. This is what resting in Christ looks like. Not just knowing Him. Not just believing that the stories are true. But actually listening to what His Word tells you and putting it into action. That, that is trust. There's this misconception that if we have this strong faith, this strong trust, that our life would be be easy somehow. If I just have enough faith, I won't struggle. That really puts too much faith in ourselves, doesn't it? If I'm good enough, then I won't have a hard time. The true faith is trust when things are difficult, in spite of the fact that there are struggles. Because if we're honest and we study Scripture, it feels like death when you look away from yourself and you turn to Christ the first action we have to do is continually turn away from ourselves, away from our life of work and rest in the faith and the trust of what Christ has done. And secondly, not only do we need to find rest in Christ, and this is so important, we need to renounce a life of achievement. Renounce a life of achievement. In Philippians chapter 3, the preceding verses that we did not read are the area of the scriptures that Paul gets to brag a little bit. And you can read the first six verses of Philippians and he says things like, like I am a Hebrew of Hebrews and according to the law, I am perfect and spotless. I never do anything wrong. And he talks about all the good he has done. And then in verse seven, he throws it all away. Philippians 3, 7, he says, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss For the sake of Christ. You know what faith looks like? You know how to practice faith? Is to stop trying so hard to impress so many people. The truth is, while we are taught that if we work hard, we will win, sometimes we work hard and we lose. Sometimes you try your hardest and you fall short. Sometimes you strive and you Labor and you work and you still fall short. But we have taught ourselves that all of our worth is gathered in whether we've won or we've lost, whether we've strived or we were lazy. Where do you find your worth? You find it in the relationship with your spouse, how good a husband or how good a wife you are? Do you find it in your parenting abilities? How well you raise your children or how well your children do? Do you find your worth in your work or your job or your school? Do you find all of your sense of achievement based on how well you do in those areas? I think for a lot of people, we have determined that it is our intelligence, how smart we are, that gives us worth and value. We have to be the brightest, the quickest, the sharpest. We have to make the best grades. We have, to, we have to be a, on a different level of intelligence from everyone else. And that, as long as we are doing well intellectually, then we find our worth. For others, it's, it's maybe not as much intelligence, but it's humor. I have to be the funniest. Everybody has to look at me and laugh. This was me, especially growing up, and, and still to this day, I slay it. Can I make someone laugh? Can I get a rise out of someone? Can I be the class clown? And if I can get that attention or tell that joke, then I feel satisfied and I feel good about myself. Maybe it's your work ethic. Okay, I may not be the smartest or the funniest, but nobody's going to work harder than me. I'm going to put more hours in. And as long as I'm working hard, as long as I'm sweating, as long as I'm I'm striving, then I feel good about myself. It's my work ethic and how, how hard I work. Maybe for others, it's your body image. I've got to post that workout that I did every single day. I've got to show my my toned biceps. This is another one I struggle with, obviously. I've got to show my physical specimen. And it's it's not just that I want to keep myself healthy, but I need people to like my post. I need people to, to share my picture. I need people to say, look how great I look and look how healthy I am. What is it that you find you're worth in? But what is it that you say, this is what fulfills me? I think too often we put faith in our own achievements, in our own striving, in our own work. Are we the biggest and the best at whatever makes us satisfied? And as long as we continually feel that self-satisfaction, as long as we continually feel satisfied, as long as we continually get people to acknowledge how good we are in that area, then we feel confident in ourselves. Faith. Faith said it's not about your work. It's not about your achievements. If you believe that the value and the work of Jesus is applied to you through faith alone, if you believe that the righteousness of God rests on you because of faith, you no longer have to hide your flaws and you no longer have to flaunt your strengths. It doesn't have to be about how great you are And it doesn't have to be hidden how weak you are. You can rest and say, it doesn't matter that I'm not the smartest. It doesn't matter that I'm not the funniest. It doesn't matter that I'm not the hardest worker or the best looking or the healthiest or whatever it is that finds satisfaction. What matters is the righteousness of Christ in us. And this changes how we live our lives. This allows us no longer to put all of our emphasis in in what we do but allows us to rest. And then we can do our best intellectually for the glory of God, not for the glory of self. We can be funny and be an entertainer for the glory of God and not so that people will laugh. We, we, can, we can work hard and strive for God's glory and not because we're gonna get ahead. We can take care of our bodies and be healthy because we're God's temple not because we want others to see us. We can rest when we turn from a life of achievement. And then finally, living out our faith means we must strive to live according to our new identity. I I love verse 16 of Philippians 3. As Paul has talked about our faith, turning away from our achievements, resting in our faith in Christ, striving and working hard, not because of what people say about us, but because of, of what Christ has done for us. In verse 16, he writes, only let us hold true to what we have attained. Literally, Paul is saying, Christ has made you righteous. You might as well be righteous. Christ has made you Saved, you might as well live saved. If God has given you value, worth, and identity, you can now live in that value, that worth, and that identity. Now everything you do can be done for God's glory and not your own. I I loved a youth pastor that I worked for who once told me, I, I hate the phrase, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. By the way, I say that all the time, and you can still say that. I'm not going to scold you for it, but I want you to rethink what that means. Because in Christ, you are no longer a sinner. Oh, you sin, so do I, but your identity is no longer a sinner. You are a saint because Christ has saved you. When you start to understand who your identity is in Christ, how the faith that you have has changed you, then you are now able to live up to your new identity. You're not doing it because other people value you. You're doing it because God has already made you righteous. Following God's word then isn't a burden. It's just who you are. It's a reminder that that you are someone who can do everything God has called you to do. Our faith does not have to be perfect. All we must do is rest in the fact That Jesus Christ has saved us. Look away from ourselves and our own achievements and turn to Christ. Pastor Damien from New City Church in Orlando has a great quote. I, I love this, and I want you to think this through as we close. He says, God is so in tuned, He's aware of our slightest turning away from ourselves into Him. He's not waiting for you to be righteous. He's not waiting for you to be perfect. He's not waiting for you to do all the right things. He's waiting for you to turn in faith. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we we think about our faith in you, Lord, help us not to add to it. It's so easy to say that our worth is found not just in our salvation through Christ and faith in you, but Lord, also because of how hard we work, also because of how, how intelligent we are. Lord, let our value not be found in the things that we do. Let our value be found in what you've made us and what you've created us to be. Father, we confess to you that we often strive to worship ourselves, put faith in ourselves, and we thank you that there is nothing that we can do, no way that we can live, no action that we can perform that makes us right before you. Because, Father, if there was, we would fail at it. But you, you and your infinite grace through faith have saved us and made us righteous. Lord, let us rest in that and let us strive to live then according to our new identity. It's in your name we pray. Amen.